0: Hello, this is the Organic BC Podcast, and I'm Jordan Marr, an organic corn grower from BC's Okanagan Valley and the show's current host. What you're about to listen to is an episode originally produced for the 2021 BC Organic Conference. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, you're listening to the podcast of the 2021 BC Organic Conference. This episode, another chapter in our research roundup. This time, I speak with Dr. Nathan Pelletier, the NSERC Egg Farmers of Canada Industrial Research Chair in Sustainability at UBC Okanagan, about his work measuring the carbon footprint of organic farms in Canada. We will also take a trip to the conference trade show and check out Biofert Manufacturing, which is a manufacturer of organic fertilizers and other inputs based here in BC. All right, I'll talk to you a little bit later.
1: Hello, my name is Nathan Peltier. I'm an assistant professor at UBC, the Okanagan campus. I currently hold the NSERC Egg Farmers of Canada Industrial Research Chair in Sustainability.
0: Nathan, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Nathan, I've invited you uh, onto this episode that I'm calling a research roundup, and so I think this is pretty easy. i, I just love to hear about uh, some some research you've been working on recently that you'd like to share with uh, with my, my colleagues and friends.
1: Sure. So I, I describe myself as an ecological economist and industrial ecologist, um, but really I'm, I'm a modeler, and most of my research focuses on food systems, so how we can leverage different technologies or different management strategies to improve sustainability in food systems when we really look at the production and consumption of food at a systems level. So the work that I'd like to describe today is a project that actually spans three institutions. I'm collaborating with Dr. Peter Teidmers at uh, Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia and with Dr. Greddy Diaz at the University of Waterloo in Ontario, and we are interested in understanding the carbon footprint of organic agriculture in Canada, in particular looking at the major uh, commodity crops, and also in determining what explains heterogeneity in the carbon footprint by crop and by region nationwide.
0: Oh that sounds that sounds really fascinating. So I think where I'd like to start is um, like asking you for the briefest, however possible, the briefest of summaries of like work that has been done previously leading up to this research.
1: In Canada to date, we actually haven't seen a lot of research focused specifically on characterizing the carbon footprint of organic agriculture. Uh, back in the early 2000s, actually, when I was doing my master's research, I did publish a paper that presented a fairly high-level analysis of uh, the carbon footprint of four uh, organic field crops in Canada. But I was using you know, what was then available in terms of, of, of general input data and yield data. So the ambition of our current research is really to bring much more resolution to that kind of analysis that, that I had started back in 2005.
0: And this, I don't know if this question makes sense, Nathan, but um, are you kind of, are you, are you going at this in terms of making comparisons to non-organic agriculture? Or are you looking at this in an absolute sense or, or both?
1: You know, that, that's certainly not a primary objective of our research. There's been a lot of this kind of, you know, systems level, carbon accounting work published for major commodity crops. Uh, in fact, my work is doing some of that work for commodity uh, field crops in Canada at present, and we've certainly seen a lot of comparable work internationally. Really, our, our, our research is motivated uh, in part by the fact that, you know, despite that Organic agriculture is one of the fastest-growing subsectors in the Canadian agri-food industry, as well as elsewhere in the world. We really haven't seen a lot of research seeking to understand you know what really drives um, carbon footprints in organic field crop production, uh, because obviously there are some you know some key differences you know outside of you know, not using uh, synthetic fertilizers or pesticides you know, farmers uh, producing organic field crops, you know, may potentially be building soil carbon pools, you know, through the use of of different crop rotations or the use of cover crops or intercrops as a means of introducing nitrogen into the rotation. And to date, we really don't have a good understanding as to, you know, how consistent those practices are, how important they are in determining the uh, carbon footprint balance of field crop production and how heterogeneous they might be in different regions of the country or by different crop type.
0: And Nathan, would you say would you agree that it's fair to say that that in the absence of hard data, there's there's some, there are some pretty some pretty some pretty some pretty bold claims about about the, the you know what different types of farming organic or not are doing to to uh, to, to to tackle the climate issue or to, or to sequester carbon or whatever, uh, you know, it seems like, and it just seems like a lot of those claims have been made without, without a lot of, of, of data to, to, to back them up.
1: I, I think that's probably the case. There probably is, um, you know, a widespread assumption that organic equals climate friendly. And uh, I think that the interesting question is not even whether or not that is the case, because I, I don't think it can be answered. Uh, that simplistically, I I suspect that, you know, compared to, to conventional agriculture for the major field crops, production is much more heterogeneous in the organic sector, right? I think we see much larger differences in terms of farm size, production practices, yields and efficiencies. And so we're probably going to encounter a lot more variability within the organic sector with respect to carbon footprints. So, of course, that that opens up the door for all kinds of interesting opportunities to determine, well, you know, what among the current um, number of practices that are currently employed by different farmers across the country, which among them are really conducive to enabling carbon footprint reduction, in fact, one of our key objectives is to be able to provide that information back to organic field crop producers.
0: I want to, I want to stop there for a sec, Nathan, because, you know, as a layperson, my impression reading journalism about science, about, you know, science that's looking at organic agriculture or comparing organic and conventional is, is often talking about um, organic agriculture as a homogenous entity you know, set of techniques, and that can be frustrating as a reader because because I know about the, the as you as you call it the heterogeneity involved. So mm-hmm. it, it's it I'm uh, I'm cheered to to, to know that, that you're thinking about that. So how, how what steps will you take with the research to try and reflect that that diversity and heterogeneity among organic practices as you study?
1: Yeah, great question. So our approach is going to be to actually attempt to engage with farmers all across the country to collect regional data sets for farms operating at different scales, producing different crops in different rotations and really build up a really solid data set to support our analysis.
0: And could we talk a little bit about, uh, I'd like to just briefly talk, if possible, about methodology. I, I'd like to focus on um, implications and findings or potential findings, but, but I would love to hear a little bit about, about some of these enhanced um, data tools, gathering tools that, that you're going to be making use of.
1: Sure. So the methodology that we're going to employ is actually called lifecycle assessment. This is a, a method that is, has emerged as one of the primary, uh, what I guess you could call accounting frameworks uh, in the context of sustainability assessment. So this is a method, it's uh, it's been standardized by ISO under the 1440 to 1444 series of standards. And it essentially provides us with a framework for doing a very systematic accounting of all of the resource inputs and outputs that are characteristic of activities all along the supply chains that ultimately enable producing a given product or service. And then for subsequently quantifying how that inventory of material and energy resources and emissions ultimately contribute to a variety of different kinds of resource or environmental impacts, including, for example, the carbon footprint
0: right so i'm i'm going to try this out it, it may not work I, I realize you're focused in this in this research on the commodity crops but just to wrap my head around what you just described in 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 the context of my small scale mixed vegetable organic operation if you were looking trying to measure the carbon footprint of uh, the salad greens i produce i think i think our minds can leap to some obvious uh obvious points of focus but you might also be looking at how I I package it and and the, the footprint of the packaging and how I deliver it and the and the footprint of how I deliver and dis- distribute like that that sort of thing.
1: All of that could potentially be included in a lifecycle assessment, and that's determined by how we set what's called a system boundary for an analysis. And one always strives to set a system boundary that's consistent with the specific questions that that are that are to be uh, that are to be answered. So in our case, we are primarily interested in modeling up to the farm gate. So, uh, you know, those crops that have been produced, harvested, dried, and are are ready to to move to the next stage in the supply chain. And the reason why is because the questions that we're interested in are primarily related to, well, what is actually happening on, uh, on organic field crop farms in Canada in terms of management practices, Um, the kinds and amounts of different inputs that are being utilized. So in order to develop these models, we'll collect detailed information from farmers regarding what they're growing and how they're growing, and we'll build in information layers regarding the specific soil type in the area in which they're operating, the specific microclimatic variables that are important. And then we'll also bring in data sets um, that represent production of any farm-level inputs. So, for example, any off-farm fertility inputs that might be used or the production of whatever substances that are allowed uh, within current organic standards in Canada to help in in pest management. And we'll integrate those upstream and farm-level models in order to enable carbon footprint estimation.
0: Any... um... Any plans in future to potentially expand this to to other branches of agriculture, for example, livestock production?
1: We don't have any plans at present to expand this to organic agriculture, that would certainly be really interesting to do because again, that's an area where there has not been a lot of research in Canada. We have seen similar analyses in other countries in fact, I think probably the the larger amount of comparable research that has been conducted elsewhere has focused on organic livestock as opposed to organic field crops.
0: All right, well, Nathan, I'd like to just finish on, like, I I don't have a sense of where you're at in your research, so I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about findings um, versus, versus perhaps instead talking about potential implications of your work.
1: Sure, well, we're we certainly not at a point yet uh, where we can talk about findings. We actually just, uh, we had our our graduate students start as research assistants in our labs uh, over the summer at our respective institutions. And as of September, they've all become master of science students. So we'll actually have one master student in each of the three uh, major regions of the country who will be undertaking parallel analyses. So we're planning to begin our data collection um, probably after Christmas and, and spanning into 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 the uh, early spring before farmers get busy in the field again, we had uh, we had originally envisioned sending our students uh, out in out into the fields to interview farmers in person. Unfortunately, you know, given uh, the current context with COVID, that is likely not to be possible. So we will probably be looking to to schedule telephone or, or or Zoom interviews with farmers in order to, to support data collection.
0: And so, what I mean, what are your what are your kind of um, better case hopes for for what what might come of of this research some some time down the line once you have uh, hard data to share?
1: Sure. Well, I, as as I'm sure you're very much aware, Jordan, taken together, activities in, in the in the agri food system are one of the key contributors to greenhouse gas emissions globally. Right, depending on on who's doing the estimation, you know, it ranges anywhere from from 25 to 35 percent of anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions, when looked at at a systems level. Um, you know, we know that there's growing interest in inorganic food products. We know that there are, is growing acreage under production, and we know that practices in the organic sector are highly heterogeneous. So we really want to, to help get out ahead of the curve in terms of understanding, well, is there comparable heterogeneity in the carbon footprint of organic field crops? And if so, you know what are those specific practices or management strategies that enable producing organic field crops with the lowest possible carbon footprint? And that's information that we want to provide back to the organic community, to certification bodies, and to farmers, uh, so we can help identify both region and production specific strategies uh, for continuing to improve the climate performance of organic agriculture in Canada.
0: So Nathan, if, if anyone wants to to follow along or or learn more, where would you direct their uh, energy?
1: Well, if they're in BC, I suggest uh, that, that they contact me at UBC, it's Nathan.Peltier at UBC.ca.
0: Nathan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. It's, it's really fascinating stuff, and I wish you well in, in a lot of work, it sounds like, that's uh, coming down the pipe for you.
1: It's been a pleasure, and thanks for having me.
0: So that's it. If you really think about it, a conference is only as good as its organizing committee. And I really want to take this opportunity to encourage those of you out there who are passionate about conferences and the education that happens at conferences and all the other stuff that happens at conferences to consider joining the COABC Conference Committee. It's the committee that makes all the decisions about what's going to happen at the conference in any given year. They do a lot of brainstorming together and then they give their marching orders to the coordinator. As far as committees go, it's not very demanding and it can be really fun, especially when you get to the stage where you start to come up with ideas for the topics and the sessions that we wanna try and have at the coming conference. So if you've been consuming this podcast and you really feel like there are some topics or some speakers that are missing from what you wanted to listen to, it's a good indicator that you need to be on our conference planning committee. You can have your say and make sure that the lineup of seminars and workshops that we bring to the conference has something that appeals to everybody. The work you do on this committee can have a real impact on the experience of the conference for your colleagues. And in that sense, this committee can be really rewarding to participate in. So we would love to have you if you want to give it a shot. And if you do, you can email office at certifiedorganic.bc.ca to let them know that you would consider sitting on the committee. It meets around once a month starting in June or July. And that usually goes until December or so. All over the phone, of course. Thanks, everyone.